0: Well, if you will, take your copy of God's Word and open to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1 and verse 1. And Matt this morning read our text that I'll be preaching about an unusual proclaimer of the gospel by the name of John. John the Baptist, who preached not in an ivory tower or a beautiful tabernacle, but in the wilderness. And he was quite different. He wore camel hair and a leather belt.
1: And he didn't get his camel hair coat at Brooks Brothers. It was an unusual dress that pointed to the fact that he was a prophet of God.
0: It would remind people of a prophet in the Old Testament. I mean, when people saw John dressed the way he was dressed... They would think immediately of Elisha. Elijah, who was also a man who was a prophet of God, wore camel's hair and a leather belt. That's how people recognized him. He had an unusual diet. He was organic before it was cool. Locust and honey. I've read over the years that that locust was not a bug but a plant, but... He had legs hanging out of his beard, I can tell you this.
1: But he had a purpose. His purpose was very clear. It was to proclaim repentance for the forgiveness of sins. John was very straightforward. He did not beat around the bush. We appreciate men like this.
0: Andrew Jackson was to go to Peter Cartwright's church. Pastor Cartwright was told about the president coming and Jackson people told Cartwright that Andrew Jackson would be in his church and so guard his comments. So Peter Cartwright got up to preach and he said, I understand Andrew Jackson is here. I've been requested to be guarded in my remarks Andrew Jackson will go to hell if he does not repent. After the service, what do you think Jackson said? There are a lot of different reports. We're not sure exactly what he said, but he said, man, I wish there were more men like you. Preaching the baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins is exactly what John did. It's In this text that we read, he was proclaiming in the present tense, which meant he knew his purpose, It was always, always to preach the gospel and repentance. People probably came to him and said, don't you have another song? Don't you have another sermon? But his sermon was clear and it was pointed. He knew soon, too, that he would slip into the background. That his purpose was to introduce Jesus and get out of the way. In fact, when Jesus came on the scene and began preaching like no one ever had preached, with authority like no one ever else had, the disciples of John, the Baptist came to John and said, John, aren't you worried? Aren't you concerned? Jesus is getting more disciples than you. And then John made this famous statement.
1: See if you ever heard it before. He must increase and I must decrease. If you've been a Christian for any amount of time,
0: you recognize that has to be true of you as well. His ministry was pointed, he pointed people to Jesus, he pointed out their sin. I mean, it would be one thing to point out sin, but that would be very discouraging if there weren't an answer. There's an answer to our sin. Our greatest need is to have our sin forgiven. Our greatest need is a Savior, and we have a great Savior for that need. I want you to look with me in verse 2, because here you see that John was an incredible prophet for sure. And Jesus said there was not a greater prophet, not a greater man, in fact, born among women. And he was a promised messenger, as it is written, verse 2, in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way? Look at that. It's written. What John was doing had been written about. He came on the scene and he... He fulfills prophecy. He's the messenger sent by God. When it was written, it was written generically among the prophets. We see here that Mark says Isaiah said, but there were also other prophets that that said there would come a messenger, including Malachi. Uh, Mark actually quotes Malachi, who's the last prophet in the Old Testament. When we read in Malachi 3.1, behold... Malachi 3, 1, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. The messenger here is John the Baptist. After 400 years of silence, another prophet has arisen, and he's preparing the way for me. Who's me? Isaiah helps out with that. Isaiah tells us that the me is Jehovah. Jehovah. So when John is preparing the way, he's preparing... He's preparing the way for God. He's preparing the way for Jesus, the second person in the Trinity. God is on the earth. Imagine having that job. Hey, your job is to introduce God in the flesh. John knew that he would would fulfill prophecy. He was born for this purpose. He would be the forerunner For Jesus Christ. Notice in verse 2. I will send my messenger. John didn't have his own message. He didn't sit around wondering what he should preach on. His message was from God. His message was to be delivered as if it were from God. Because it was from God. Thus says the Lord. Charles Hodge the great preacher Would often say, I don't have an original thought. How would you like a preacher that did not have an original thought? I think I'd like him pretty good if his message was from God, who's the great creator and the creative who has all the originals. All we are are copies. And if we can speak the word of God, we do our job. John knew he was to prepare the way. He was a forerunner, and he was to prepare the way for the king, the Lord Jesus Christ, who was to come in. Now, this language in the first century would have been very welcomed and understood because we read regularly how that whenever nobility or kings or royalty came into a city that the way was made straight for them. If there were potholes they were filled in, can I get an amen? If there were rocks or crags in the way, it was removed because the king had to have a smooth passage as he came into the city. You would not want to be unprepared for the king when he came, right? I mean, if you work in your business and you hear, uh-oh, corporate's coming, you're getting ready. This is what John says to the people that there is a king coming, so let's make the way ready. This would have really resonated too among Roman people who were building roads all over the empire. In fact, by John's day, there were nearly, listen to this, 50,000 miles of interstate highway built. 200,000 miles of secondary roads built, smooth roads all over the Roman Empire. People understood. In fact, probably some people were in that industry. John was preaching because he was the promised messenger from Isaiah. Isaiah said that this would John the Baptist would come, this messenger would come in Isaiah 40, verse 3. His job was to introduce Jesus and then just simply get out of the way. Which leads to John's pre his, his preparation. I mean, he had, he had a preparation to do. And that was to prepare people for Jesus. That was his ministry. Second point. John had a ministry of preparation. Look in verse 3. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. We see this word voice or that imagery of a voice actually speaking and it's, One is, verse 4 says, who appeared in the wilderness. The messenger, John, was provided by God, and it was provided a message. And what was that message? It was the good news of Jesus Christ. When did this news come? Well, it came in a specific time in history. We'll see that when Jesus comes to be baptized in days to come, not today. But it also came in a very strategic time. God sent Jesus at the right time, Galatians tells us. But let me tell you about the times that John lived in, especially when it relates to the, the religious crowd. One, the rabbis were very much in control. They were seen as the authorities. What they said was listened to and adhered to. The rabbis had a great deal of clout. It was a religious organization by, by the name of the Pharisees. How many of you have heard of the Pharisees before? They were devout guys. Uh, many of them pretty good. Not all of them bad, but most of them hypocritical. They had all the outward trappings of religion, but no inward reality of spiritual relationship with God. What you had in John's day were were people who led the church who weren't real. Who said, "Just do these things. Be if you do these things, you'll become more godly." When when reality, the, the inside, Jesus said that they were. They were full of dead men's bones. The outside whitewashed like tombs and pressure washed, if you will, but on the inside, dead. John comes preaching, all right, when there's a bunch of smart guys called rabbis who had clout and people listened to them. And the religious leaders who were the wealthy and elite of the day weren't even real. Those are the two major groups. The third group, not so major, more of a minor group, they were the Sadducees. The Sadducees were skeptics. They were trying to make religion more earthy, you know. Take away the supernatural. Don't believe in miracles. Don't believe in a resurrection. Just try to be good and keep good rules and good laws. Just get along with each other. Just do things that help each other. Because, you know, In the end, we're all just dirt anyway and we go back to dirt. There were skeptics. John steps on the scene when you have rabbis taking authority over God's word. You have Pharisees who are hypocritical, not teaching the truth, and you have skeptics who are trying to lead people astray. And John says, listen to me, There is one coming who you need to listen to, and I am speaking based on not my authority because this is not my message, but on the authority of the holy word of God, that there is only one that you need to follow, and it's not some rabbi with a book, but it's the one who is the word of God. It is the lamb who takes away the sin of the world, who not only makes you clean on the outside, but he cleans you on the inside, and he washes your sin away, and the baptism I've given you, it won't help you unless you've been saved because you've repented of your your sin, and you've been changed and born from the Holy Spirit above. He is preaching in the face of religion the truth that needed to be spoken, moving every obstacle out of the way that got in the position of keeping people from God. And know this, that even today, religion is an obstacle that can keep people from God. Because there are religious leaders who seem to be very whimsical and intelligent and they speak to the heart, whether they're men or women, but they set themselves up as authorities over the Word of God. Turn them off. Tune them out. They're not messengers from God. It doesn't matter how motivating they are, how funny they are, how intelligent they are. And if they have more degrees after they're named in a thermometer.
1: John stepped on the scene in the midst of all of that, including religious
0: hypocrites. He came with true authority, pure authenticity, and supernatural ability, crying out, Prepare the way of the Lord. And he made this command Make ready the way of the Lord. Look at the text. He not only came as the promised messenger with this message from God to prepare the way of the Lord. But we also are told that he tells others they are to prepare the way of the Lord. How? Well, that is to remove obstacles from keeping you from following Jesus as Lord. There were a lot of people who were coming out to hear John preach because they knew something was happening there. They heard about it. Even religious leaders, even rabbis were coming out. And John said, hey, hey, you too need to remove obstacles because Jesus is Lord. Therefore, remove anything out of your life that's keeping you from following him as Lord. How do I know that? Well, well, I won't go to too many other gospels when I, I'm going to stick in Mark. But I, I will tell you what we read from the gospel according to Matthew. Many of the Pharisees and Sadducees were coming to John for baptism. So get this. The religious leaders are like, something's going on out there in the wilderness. Let's go. And they went. And you know what, John? John was real happy that they were there. He was excited. These religious leaders, man. These are the elite. this, This is the crowd right here that people follow. And so you know what John does? He goes, welcome, guys. Glad to have you in our congregation today. You're a bunch of snakes. Literally, that's what he said. You're a brood of vipers.
1: Who warned you to flee from the fire to come? John saw right through their pretension. He knew the only reason they were going, coming to get baptized to get
0: some sort of holy fire insurance. Just in case John's baptism was real, they did not want to miss it because. If there was a hell, they wanted to escape it. If there was judgment, they wanted to run from it. Like snakes fleeing a field being burned in preparation for another harvest, they were like snakes trying to run from the fire of God's judgment, and just in case this was real, let's get baptized. You have to remove the obstacles in your life if you're going to come to Christ, including any pretension of saying, I'm going to ask Jesus to save me just in case... I'm going to get baptized just in case. God does not sell fire insurance. And some of you are going to go to hell because you have bought into some sort of idea that all you have to do is pray up some prayer just in case your works aren't enough and just because your religion hasn't quite got you there... And, and like the song we sang this morning, there is only one sufficient merit, and that's the merit of the Lord Jesus Christ who paid the penalty for your sin on the cross, period. And until you remove all the obstacles of coming to full faith in Jesus Christ, where you say, I have nothing to bring but sin, you will not be saved. This is clear for John. Religion is, is wrong. In fact, if you were to read what John said in Luke, to people coming out to be baptized, he would say to tax collectors, tax collectors, quit
1: extorting people. You're serious about your repentance? Quit being greedy. Turn from that. He would look at Roman soldiers. He would say, hey,
0: Roman soldiers, don't make people do what they're not supposed to do. He didn't tell tax collectors not to quit collecting taxes. He didn't tell soldiers to quit the military. He just said, do what you do in honor of God. Quit doing what you do for yourself. Because sin, in its essence, is me wanting to do what I want to do when I want to do it. He told the wealthy, hey, if you have more than one coat, give it to somebody who doesn't have any. Quit being covetous. If you're really going to come to Christ and submit to the Lordship, you've got to prepare the way. You've got to be willing to turn from your sins. Turn to the Lord Jesus Christ and say, I abandon all and I'll follow you. That's what true faith
1: is. It's not a work that you do. It's a work that God does in you.
0: We're sinners. It is coming to the realization I'm a sinner in need of
1: a Savior, and we're all sinners, every one of us. I mean, what kind of sin do you practice? People
0: who are artistic and creative sometimes are tempted with arrogance. Teachers and intellectual people sometimes are are tempted with impatience towards others. Teenagers are tempted to rebel against their parents. People who have been wronged are tempted to become bitter and angry, to take on a victim mentality. Men can be tempted towards lust and pornography and anger. Women can be tempted towards gossip and self-control and controlling situations in a manipulative way. We are all, all people born in sin, tempted to sin, tempted to sin and struggling with sin. And unless we're ready to turn to Christ from our sin, then don't expect there to be salvation.
1: Andrew Jackson, if he doesn't repent, is going to hell, and so will you.
0: What is your sin? It's not something your sin simply to be recognized and be remorseful for. The Bible tells us there is a worldly sorrow that leads to nothing more than that, regret. Repentance is a recognition that I have sinned against the Holy God, and I must be redeemed. John was preparing people for this. Thirdly, John had a pointed message. Look at verse 4. John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Now, notice that all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem are going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sin. There John appeared proclaiming. The baptism of repentance. The syntax has baptism first in the text, but theologically we know people were confessing their sins and then being baptized. People believed the message, repented, and then were baptized. Don't think here that people were being baptized for salvation. They were not. Very clearly, they were convicted of sin, convinced that Jesus is Lord, and they were believing on him. So he's, John, preaching this repentance and forgiveness of sins. What is repentance? What is repentance? It's what Jesus began preaching in Mark chapter 1, in the beginning of the gospel, repentance. Repentance is a word from the Greek that means to think afterwards. It means to have a change of mind. It's a It really has to do with the changing of the mind, but theologically and biblically, it's not only that I change my mind, oh, I agree that I'm a sinner, or I agree that Jesus is Lord. Those are all things that would change in us as we began to repent, but it also means a change of the will and heart that only comes about by the grace of God when we're willing to turn to Jesus from sin. Now, I want you to think about this. Just for a moment, go to Galilee with me, all right? Just go to Galilee. Y'all ready? Here we are. We're in Galilee. And if you can picture this, if you can picture this in your mind, there's this beautiful sea. The Sea of Galilee. It's pristine. It's glistening. I mean, you're in you're in Israel, so the sun's out. There is not a cloud in the sky. It is beautiful. And it's kind of crisp. It's kind of cool. And you're sitting in green grass with flowers all around. It's just unreal beautiful. And then Jesus gets up to speak, and you've been wanting to see Jesus. I mean, you've heard everything about Jesus and that he speaks with authority, and you're there, and you're on that hillside, and you can smell the flowers, and you can hear the birds, and you can see Jesus, and you can't believe that you're there. This is the best
1: day of your life. And Jesus stands up and says, while you're sitting there thinking how good you got it, blessed... Are the bankrupt. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Why? Because theirs is the kingdom of God.
0: Jesus is saying what John was proclaiming as well until you come to recognize you're bankrupt, you're spiritually impoverished, you have nothing except sin. You will never enter into the kingdom of God. Kingdom people have come to the conclusion, I am a sinner in need of salvation. So John preaches this message, and then repentance for the forgiveness of sins. What, what you want is to be forgiven of your sins, right? Don't you? And then baptism took place. Because baptism was an outer sign, that's the way we say it, an outer sign of a inner reality. Water doesn't wash away sins. The blood of Jesus
1: does. And if you've been dunked into Jesus, then you want to be placed in the water so that you can verbalize or
0: you can symbolize the fact through obedience in water baptism that you have been saved. If you've been saved, baptism is the next step. Baptism does not lead to forgiveness. If you've been baptized, it is because you are publicly advertising what you inwardly really are. And if you really are a Christian, then you want to publicly advertise. You want to be an audio-visual Christian. The kingdom of God comes to those who are willing to repent and believe there's only one way. By the way, the kingdom of God does not have open borders. Jesus said there's only one way into the kingdom, and it's through the gate, and I'm the gate. And unless you've entered through the straight gate, you can't come into the kingdom of God. This is what John was preaching. It's what Jesus was come proclaiming it's through the confession of sin. John was receiving. Notice this, everyone was coming to be baptized. Now, you know what this means, does not. Every person in Judea and Jerusalem was coming. But what we were hearing here is that every type of person from not only the, the, the region in Judea, the country and the rural areas, but even in the city, people, all types of people, rich, poor, large, small, important, unimportant, didn't matter, all of them who were repenting were coming to be baptized by John John then practices this baptism he comes out here dressed in a, a unique way because he has, he has a statement to make based on the fact that he's been called as a prophet of God he is very clear in his message it doesn't matter to him that he's dressed in camel hair he's not trying to make Christianity cool he's trying to make it
1: clear That's a good word for the day in which we live in. His dress, his dress is not
0: pointing to him being odd or eccentric. I I know that that we, especially Southern Baptists, get made fun of all the time. And we may not be
1: the coolest people, but that's all right. As long as we're the clearest. And I'm not just talking about Southern Baptists, I'm talking about Christians.
0: Clarity is Here for John was that I am sent from God, a prophet of God, to tell you the truth of God, that you must repent and believe. This is a strong message, but it was certainly in humility. Look in verse 7. He said, after me comes one who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandal I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. People came to John because he's a mighty preacher. He is strong and powerful in spirit. And then he says, but I'm nothing. I'm not even worthy of tying the shoe of the one who's coming after me. The point is this. The point is that you must come to him. He is the one who you must follow. I come with authority. I come with that authority that comes only from God. I'm baptizing with water in this place in the Jordan, which symbolizes the fact that you have to come through the Savior in order to be saved. But he comes in great humility and urgency. And he says, you've
1: got to do this now. And in incredible clarity. He says, this one who's coming after me, who's Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. I baptize you with water. He'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit. This is clear. I mean, he wants people to get to Jesus.
0: And so do we. And if I could just add this Here. Because I think it's important for us to see that our role as believers, as disciple makers, as those who carry out the Great Commission that we've been given to because we've been sent with a message from God. We have a message from God and we're his messengers that we are not just trying to get people to church or to our religious events or to some sort of activity. We're trying to get people to Jesus as Christians, aren't we? because we can tell people, hey, you ought to come read this book. You you ought to come to our event. You ought to come to our study. You ought to come to our church. And people are are well-intended. And they say things like this. Yeah, yeah, I'd like to come. But what they think in their mind is, yeah, I'd like to come. Kind of like, yeah, I know I need to do that. And and I know I need to change my diet. I know I need to get more exercise. And and you know, maybe I I need to get more sleep. In fact, I'm thinking about getting one of those my pillows. I mean, they think you're just asking them to change their life a little bit and add something to their life that might Make them a little better, but they don't see the significance. Unless we're clear,
1: unless you repent, you will likewise perish. You know what that takes for us? Uh, Humility. It is very humbling to look at someone and say, you're a sinner,
0: but there's a Savior. What is it about us that we don't want to tell people that? What is it about us that it's really hard for us to tell people the greatest news of all in light of the worst news that's true about them? You're sick. You're dead in your sins.
1: But there's a Savior who will save you. What is it about us? John was humble. I'm not even worthy to tie the shoes of Jesus. He was calling
0: people to repentance with urgency. It's not something you can wait on. He did it with clarity. Why? why? Again, Matthew tells us a little bit more about John's message. John said, I baptize you with water for repentance in Matthew chapter 3, but he who's coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals,
1: again, I'm not even worthy to carry. He'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. The Holy Spirit and fire. There's been some, some confusion about what John said here among some churches. Because the text
0: indicates that if you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, you'll also be baptized with fire, but that's not really what the text says. In fact, it would probably be better for us to translate this the way it
1: was intended. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit or fire. Fire. He's being very clear, if you're not baptized by God in the Holy Spirit, through faith in Jesus Christ, you're going to be baptized in the fire of hell. You're going to hell. I, I, just just yesterday, I had a college football on in the background. I got my washing machine all tore apart, trying to fix it. Right now it's working, praise God, through prayer. And so, so I'm
0: telling you this story because there's a point. As I'm watch, as I'm, I'm as I got the football in the background, I don't know how you guys watch football or if you even watch it. But here's how I watch it: I record it and I fast forward through the commercials. Okay, I just do. So if you've got ads on there, I'm sorry, but I just do. And I didn't yesterday because I I was working, and so I just had it on the background. So these commercials come on, and I hear a little girl say this on the commercial, just in the background, I don't want to go to hell, but she's, obviously this has got to be some sort of horror movie or something, and it really bugged me, you know, and I kept working, and it wasn't long until that commercial came on again. In fact, I heard that commercial three times, where this little girls telling, I guess her parents, because I didn't see it, I could just hear it, I don't want to go to hell.
1: And by the third time I heard it, I'm not just thinking about it. I am livid. I am so angry that Satan makes hell seem something only to be feared in a horror movie. Hell is a real place
0: where people right now are suffering. And it's hard for me to say that. Because I know people
1: who've rejected the gospel that I loved, that are there. We've got to be clear. It's not just about. Hey, come to church, get life better. Hey, get on track,
0: dating life will get better, marriage will get better. Praise God that God is faithful and blesses a life of obedience. I'm grateful for that, but we have a clear message with clarion temperature. We need to speak. If you don't repent, you will die in your sin
1: and you will be baptized by Jesus in fire. That's what you need to consider today. This is the
0: beginning of the gospel. If you've not repented and believed on Jesus Christ, you'll not be saved. Repentance without faith does not take away sin. Faith is believing on Jesus Christ. It's not just turning from my sin. No, it is turning first to Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world who can save you from your sin. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm grateful that we've got such a clear word from you because if we didn't, we would know and we would be on our way to hell, still in our sin. There are those in this room right now who are still without Christ and need to be saved and there have been obstacles in the way that they need to remove. And I pray that they will and they'll believe simply on you. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. I, I want you to stand. We're going to have an invitation and the invitation is simple. If you need to be saved today, would you be saved? I want you to know Satan is very slick. That's why, that's why he makes fun of hell. That's why, that's why people can say to you, I don't know what the hell is going on, as if that's just a, a word of profanity. That's why people can make a movie and just make light of hell as like it's not a real place. Hell is real. Heaven is sweet. Don't miss heaven. Don't miss heaven. You you need to be saved. He said, well, I I think I am. Wait a minute. What do you mean by that? Well, I've been baptized. For some of you, baptism is an obstacle that's kept you from Jesus. You were christened as a child. You were baptized or confirmed in a church. And I'm going to tell you, nowhere in the scriptures do you read anyway that some ritual or some religious ceremony will get you into heaven. There's only one way, it's through Jesus Christ. And the only way through that gate, Jesus Christ, is faith in Jesus Christ and repentance of sin and believing on him. So you need to be saved. There's some other obstacles. You say, well, man, if I, if I do, if I confess this, I'm rejecting what I've, been grown, what, what I've been raised in, what I've been taught, what my parents were involved in. I have a heritage pastor. It's a religious heritage. If I come to Jesus, I'm rejecting that. Yeah. There's not a person who ever gets saved who's not rejecting everything else in the past and saying there's only one person I'm going to trust in, that's Jesus. So why wouldn't you be saved today? You can have your church uh, name on a church roll, you can have your name on every church roll in this city and still go to hell. You can get baptized in every baptistry and still go to hell. There's only one way to have it. It's through Jesus Christ. Would you be saved today? Would you be saved today? Quit pretending. Cast off the pretension and come to Christ. That's the simple invitation. Would you come? I'll meet you here. If you need to come to Christ, come right now.
1: Lord, I come and I confess bowing here I find my rest and without you I fall apart and you're the one that guides my heart Lord I need
0: there's some pastors and elders that are going to be here after the service ready to pray with you if you have any kind of a prayer need and uh the saunders are going to be here to help us out if you need some prayer like you maybe are here and going i need to grow in my faith in the lord jesus christ or i need to talk to somebody about a spiritual need or you know pastor today i needed to be saved they're right over here underneath the love him sign and They would love to talk to you about your relationship with Christ or you're in need of a relationship with Christ. That's why they're here. They prayed for that. I'll be here too. We'll stay as long as we need to. I I will tell you this. Yesterday, uh, we invited a ton of people to church. Uh, We had a lot of people receive that invitation and quite a few say they're coming. So don't hear me say that we ought not invite people because if you know us here, whether it's your Bible study class or Whoever's preaching from the pulpit, we're going to share the gospel. I'm going to flat share and preach the gospel, all right? And so I want to encourage you to, um, to bring, your, bring, bring people with you, especially as we start the study of Mark. It's a good time to invite people to church and uh, encourage them to be a part of this incredible study of this gospel, according to Mark. Next week, Lord willing, we'll look at the baptism of Jesus. It is an incredible, incredible account and clarifies to us even what baptism is. So I want to encourage you to be a part and bring somebody next week, all right? Well, I sure hope you grow in love Lord, the Lord here. I'm thankful that you give. Thank you that you give. We're going to be giving you some beyond updates in the month of October, where we are. It's exciting and encouraging. And I'm telling you, you're going to be, I think, encouraged in what God is doing. And so let me just give God thanks for our offering, and then we'll be dismissed. Thank you, Lord. Uh, God, that you have been with us this morning, that we have sung songs of the gospel of grace and, uh, and exalted Jesus. And God, we've worshiped together, and we'll fellowship together. May our fellowship be sweet. Protect the unity of this church that, God, you've given us in the bonds of Christ. You brought us into one family, into one union, with one faith to preach this incredible gospel. And, Lord, I pray that we will be faithful to that. God, thank you for what you've given to us to give to others. In Jesus' name, amen.